the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, hello. Uh, let's see. Uh, still a lot of stuff going on outside the window. The United Nations, all those world people are here. Uh, that's fine. Joe Biden mumbled his way through a speech. Very embarrassing for him. Uh, you know, for him, for him. Am I embarrassed as an American? Uh, I guess I kind of am. I guess I kind of am. It's really, it's lessened our status, our prestige, our power. Yeah, you know what? The more I think about it, I am really downright embarrassed at this mediocrity, that this fool, that this corrupt character, and I do believe he is thoroughly corrupt, uh, should be representing the United States of America. I mean, man, it's just, uh, it's pretty low. And guess what? A lot of the world leaders blew off Joe Biden. They didn't even bother coming. I didn't realize this, but, you know, usually you would have Macron would be here, uh, the president of France, uh, the prime minister of the UK, whatever his name is, um, You'd even get uh, Japan. They're not coming. They're not coming because they see Joe Biden as a, well, you know, they don't have to come to New York to make time with Joe Biden. They don't have to go anywhere to make time with Joe Biden. He is, he's not a draw. You know, that was one big thing they would, what would they call them? Bilats, bilateral meetings, bilateral meetings. They would meet with people. Anyway, it was a terrible speech. Oh, wow. I'm watching it right now. I'm watching it right now. Oh, yeah. What's going on here? Eric Adams, Eric is getting credit again from the uh, the very naive. At times it's fantastic, but it can also be very, very naive. Uh, New York Post and others, conservative media. Ooh, Eric is critical of the Biden administration. How refreshing. A Democrat is saying something critical of the Biden administration. Uh, it's a little game he plays, right? He is as liberal and as wacko as, uh, as they come. But he gives a little, little uh, tidbit to Fox and to uh, the New York Post, and then they, ooh, Eric is, he's so enlightened, he's speaking out against Biden. Well, that's all it is. It's words. It's a one-off. He's already ruined his relationship with the Biden administration because uh, I'm not sure exactly how it started. It was like something minor, something about, you know, uh, trying to upstage the president and taking too much credit for something. It was very, you know, intramural politics and uh, so he has nothing to lose and he sticks it to Biden occasionally in a press conference and gets way too much credit as he, I mean, not only refuses to manage the situation, he can't. And he brought it on. Don't forget, he brought on this migrant crisis, him, his responsibility. He, um, already antagonized the Biden administration. He had to antagonize Governor Abbott. <laughs> uh, send him here, send him here. Well, uh, he did and, uh, we have him and, we have a crisis, a full-blown crisis, and a guy who has no clue how to manage a crisis. He knows how to stand on steps. He knows how to look at himself in the mirror, button that top button, sometimes button the middle button, sometimes button uh, the bottom button. Sometimes it depends upon what you're wearing. If it's double-breasted, you button, you button all three. If it's if it's single-breasted, you got it. Depends if it's three button. All those silly rules <laughs> that these guys who are really into clothes, uh, you know, obsess over. That's that's what he obsesses over. How do I look? How do I sound? Look at me. I still can't believe I'm the mayor. Uh, what else? Um, I should, you know, the they're calling it the holy grail of fake fake news that that Meet the Press show the other day. It was whew, never seen anything quite like it. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, 
Donald Trump, anti-Semite. Yeah, it's all over the place. Donald Trump engaging in anti-Semitic attacks. He is the furthest thing from an anti-Semite. He is so pro-Jew. He is pro-Israel. His daughter is Jewish. His grandchildren are Jewish. He is the greatest friend Israel ever had in America. Ever. Ever. All right? Forget anything you've heard. It's all lies. He is the man. Oh, don't forget about moving Jerusalem, moving the capital. He moved the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You know how long they had been talking about that and couldn't get it done? He got it done. And a million other things he's done for and with Israel. They know uh, that Trump is on their side. So what did he do? He put out a little truth social. And the fake news is definitely trying to deceive people by saying that this is anti-Semitic. It is not. All right. Here he goes. Just a quick reminder for liberal Jews. Should I do this in the Trump voice? Just a quick reminder. No, I can't do it anymore. I kind of lost it. Just a quick reminder for liberal Jews who voted to destroy America and Israel because you believe false narratives. Let's hope you learn from your mistake and make better choices moving forward. Happy New Year. So it's well known that liberal Jews tend to be pro-Palestinian. That is at odds with how most Jewish people think. All right, we're talking about a political decision made by liberal Jews in the way they voted. It's not an attack on the faith. And it's kind of like liberal Catholics. You know, liberal Catholics blow off this, that, and the other thing. All right, I'm critical of them. I'm, I can be critical of, uh, of Christians who invite the drag queens and the gay pride flags and put it all over the church. It's the same principle. I'm not anti-Christian. I'm anti those practices. And Donald Trump is pointing out, you know what? They're not voting in the best interest of Israel, which is kind of like, fundamental when it comes to being a Jew, right? All right, uh, I'm fine with it, but the fake news wants to scare you. And they did this whole thing. Uh, they're doing this whole thing all over the place. And they found the usual um, liberal Jews that they go to to say something nasty about Trump and accuse them falsely of anti-Semitism. All right, the more orthodox you get in the Jewish community, the more pro-Israel, all right, the more pro-Israel. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, you go to Brooklyn and you see the city. They are so pro-Israel, and we are so pro them. We're pro everybody, but it's the political position of of liberal Jews. That's what he's pointing out here. So look at the look at the fake fire they're start they're trying to start on CNN. Go ahead with that, please. I don't. I've never understood, but I, I want to read it. it said uh, just a quick reminder for liberal Jews who voted to destroy America and Israel because you believe in false narratives. Let's hope you learn from your mistakes, make better choices moving forward. Happy New Year. The reason why I don't want to just let this pass mm-hmm. as like Trump on social media being mm-hmm. crazy because that's what Trump does on social media is because I'm trying to think of the, the construct of if a Democratic lawmaker said that conservative Catholics were ruining the country because mm-hmm. of their views. If you're Catholic and vote yep. Republican, you should <clears throat> you're ruining the country. People would freak out. Yeah. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. so. Stop for is- a second. I'll stop right there. Liberal liberals tend to do that all the time to conservative Catholics. Okay, conservative Catholics are like the whipping boy for everybody. Okay, it's one group you can get away with smacking around. Conservative Catholics. Okay. Anyway, keep going. This is. I'm going to borrow Christian's favorite phrase to be truthful and not neutral. Here, there is nothing. Nothing even close to appropriate about what he said. In fact, this is classic Trump trying to 
divide subsets of America, divide uh, uh, people who are already he sees he sees that there are not just yeah, try to but figure out some, she's trying to figure out something that's remotely smart because she's lying. All right. She is lying. And she's so proud. They're just throwing fuel on this fake fire that they are starting. It is absolutely acceptable, more than acceptable, totally appropriate. And if you support Israel, it's fine. It's totally. You know how I learned about this stuff, by the way, from my wife, who's Jewish. Keep going. Division uh, within the Jewish community and within uh, American culture when it comes to to Israel. It is so incredibly dangerous. I did a whole hour on on uh, anti-Semitism growing in America. And a big part of it was, according to expert after expert who looked at the research and looked at the at the threats and the timelines, Donald Trump saying things like this, pushing the door open a little bit and white supremacists and people who have have been feeling this way for a long time. White supremacy, white supremacy. There you go. Um, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's talking to, um, liberals who will tell her what she wants to hear. You know who did a, uh, one of the greatest studies of anti-Semitism in America and Europe? My father, Ray Kelly. He, he's, a, he's a total expert on, 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 on the roots of anti-Semitism. He actually did some important work. He was hired by a Jewish organization to study it and what are the underpinnings and how do we combat it? You know what did not come up? White supremacy. All right. There are a lot of other things. All right. A lot of other weirdo things out there on the Internet and stuff like that. But it's not white supremacy. In fact, we should get him on the phone and talk to him a little bit uh, later about that. It's and the way she says it. Now, it's interesting. You know, there they are. They're all kind of aghast. Right. But they can't push it much further because it's fake. It's phony. Right. If Donald Trump waged an ant- a genuine anti-Semitic attack, right? I mean, it would be like social media nuclear war, right? I mean, and I I wouldn't defend him. I would, be, but he would never say that. That's not who he is. That's not what he's about. That's not his life. That's not his policies. That's not his flesh and blood. His grandchildren. So, um, that's how I feel. Let me know what you're thinking. Everybody else okay, right? right. Um, yes, my wife grew up a uh, modern Orthodox, actually, and uh, she said she never met. Um, she grew up in Australia, and she never, she never met a liberal Jew until she came to uh, America, where um, it's different. It's way different. Whatever it shouldn't necessarily dictate your uh, your political views. Uh, your, but uh, the Israel thing that's real. Donald Trump's point is a valid one. Fair enough. Hey, have you heard about this F-35 jet that disappeared in South Carolina? You've been following that thing? So it goes for a flight, and it's in a crash. The pilot ejects, and they can't find the plane for like a day and a half. And I guess that's kind of weird. I guess maybe you might think, but it's really not. And there are all kinds of uh, people hitting the Internet. Maybe it's China. Maybe it's, you know, Cuba. Who knows what happened here in the conspiracy theories start flying, and it did not strike me as odd at all that they couldn't find this plane uh, for a little while. I mean, it's a little bit unusual. Yeah, it's a little bit unusual, a plane crash, but it depends where the plane crashes. 
And if it's over a big forest or a swamp, and it's interesting, uh, 28 years ago yesterday, when this was a big story, 28 years ago yesterday, uh, September 1995, guess where I was? I was in North Carolina, Cherry Point, a Marine Corps Air Base, learning how to fly the Harrier jet, the AVB Harrier jet. It was my scheduled to be my very first flight in a Harrier. Well, that night, another student goes for a flight in his Harrier, and it's a night formation flight. So what happens there is you got one guy in one jet, one guy in another jet. They both take off some distance away, about a 1,000 feet away, but then they join up, right? It's really crazy. The first time I had a fly night formation, I was like, uh, I think I'll join the Coast Guard. I was just so freaked out by it. Night formation flying, it was just what? We're going to do, and now we're going to do night refueling, and we're going to land on aircraft carriers at night, and I'm like, the night stuff. But I got used to it pretty quick. Anyway, sadly, this man, uh, this pilot named Steve Beguer, he was a captain in his 20s, like me, and he crashed into the lead aircraft. The lead aircraft um, sustained minor damage, but Steve's airplane, um, well, it went right down into the river with Steve in it. He didn't eject. He went right down into this uh, river, the Noose River. We knew the general area where he went down. It took us 12 days to find the airplane. 12 days to find the airplane. I remember it well. We actually had search parties. I mean, after I was, I, I was really astonished. They, I thought they should have brought in the satellites or something to find this aircraft. And there was a body in it. There was one of our own, our Marines. We got to the point that they were actually flying other students like me. I was a student pilot still trying to learn how to fly the Harrier. They put us into Huey helicopters and have us look out the window, looking down into the river, hoping that we might see this plane or some sign of it. And um, it took 12 days, and then we found it. So I wasn't totally blown away by this um, this F-35 thing. Uh, hey, pretty boy, Gavin Newsom is in New York, hanging around the U.N., chomping at the bit to be president. He says he doesn't want it. He says it's all Joe and Kamala. Uh, some interesting little tidbits. He Little, little uh, clues he's laying all over the place. He wants this desperately. Give me a moment, please. Many thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, some of these Republicans in Congress, they're almost as bad as those Democrats. I'm talking about the rhinos. Uh, there's no evidence of uh, anything implicating Joe Biden at this point, and an impeachment inquiry is uh, unnecessary. Well, uh, you're out, totally out to lunch if you think that there's no evidence here. And, well, if there's not enough that you find sufficient well, we have an impeachment inquiry to find more. And thank God they've got an impeachment inquiry. The thing, the, the, the initial one starts next Thursday. About freaking time. Uh, good for them. It's underway. And, um, you know, there is actually, in my opinion, already smoking gun evidence, right? 
I mean, the House Oversight Committee, how much money have they traced? Three million from China, 17 million from Ukraine, another three million from Kazakhstan, a million from uh, Romania, the uh, $130,000 sports car from Kazakhstan as well for Hunter Biden. All this money going through weirdo shell companies that the Bidens have access to. Um, and we have Biden boasting that, oh, where's the money? We have that guy in the FBI 1023 saying that the, they set it up so it would take 10 years to trace it to Biden. Um, don't be so sure. All right. We are hot on the trail and you have an impeachment inquiry to make inquiries, right? To wage an investigation. That's okay. You don't have to have all the answers when you start. You know, they started the impeachment, uh, the Watergate stuff, the big national hearings more than a year before Richard Nixon resigned. It really got underway. I think the summer, June, July, 1973, John Dean, Haldeman, all those guys, they brought up to Capitol Hill. Then the impeachment actual proceedings started, I think, in October 1973. And, you know, for a while, Nixon was kind of in the clear because tying it to him was tough. Tying it directly to him was a was a problem. How do they tie the the uh, what do you call it uh, cover up to Nixon? Well, they finally did the so-called smoking gun tape that was recorded um, sometime in June of 1972. Well, they unearthed it. They released the whole damn thing. This is one they kept back. They didn't let anybody see it or hear it, and it finally implicated. Um, Richard Nixon as having been involved in the cover-up. Although, to this day, there are some people who say that everybody misinterpreted that tape, that they actually misunderstood Nixon, and there's something there's something for that. We'll talk about that another day, but uh, August 1974, that tape comes out, and two days later, he's out the door. And two days later, Nixon resigns. I can see something very similar for Joe Biden, but I don't think it's going to take that long. I don't think... I actually think he's going to withdraw from this race by the end of October. October is eh, not, it's coming. It's coming. Um, anyway, it's finally happening. And this stuff is real. All right. Americans understand it. Unlike that phone call with Zelensky in 2019. Hey, we'd like you to possibly look into uh, corruption in your country. You have a problem with that? No, no, I don't. Joe Biden's been boasting about taking you guys for a ride. Maybe you should look into that. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it was a great idea. And they impeached him for that. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, hey, anybody watching Fox and Friends this week? You, you know that show, the morning show? Steve Ainsley and Brian? Something weird is going on. They put a fourth guy on the show, Lawrence Jones, and you don't have to be a TV executive. You, you don't have to be a media person. You just have to be able to look at the TV and realize, listen for about 10 seconds and watch them, and it's like, this does not work. It's amazing how much they screwed that show up. I mean, uh, Lawrence Jones seems like a very nice guy. I looked it up. He's only 30. 
um, which makes him much younger than the other co-host. Nothing wrong with being 30, but uh, he doesn't have enough experience to be doing that job. And what I think they did was <laughs> just put him on the couch and see what happens. Well, you're ruining your own show. I'm sorry, but he, that that is not the role for him, at least not now. Put him on the weekend show for a couple of years first. Was he ever? Uh, I don't get it. I think this has a little bit to do with um, uh, somehow they got self-conscious with three white people on a couch and, um, you know, post George Floyd and BLM and all that stuff. This doesn't look right. So I think diversity was driving this decision, the quest for diversity, which, you know, when you go woke, you know, what what happens? You, you screw up. You get demented. It It's nothing. I mean, it just it was it was bad. It's bad. It's not good. Um, that guy is a very interesting character, Lawrence Jones, but he needs a bit more work and nothing wrong with, um, you know, I don't know, working in the locals a, a little bit, just kind of getting all the, you know, getting up to speed. Uh, anybody see that show? I think it's, ooh, what else is going on, uh, over there? Yeah, that's it. Um, I still like that crew for the most part. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. And, 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 and what's his name? Ducey and Kill. They're very good broadcast. There's a lot of stuff that they do. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of Trump derangement syndrome over there at Fox, right? They're always doing strange things, ignoring the guy. They're, they're, they're very conflicted about him. However, as bad as that show, um, got rather suddenly, it's still light years better than, uh, meet the press, especially. And this is what happens when you, when you go woke, you go demented, you start breaking things, and you look for the nearest, I don't know, but diversity for diversity's sake is, I don't think, ever the answer. you got to look for a people of ability. There are people of ability all over the place who look whatever. It doesn't matter. What do they bring to the table? And Kristen Welker, the host of that crazy show now, I mean, <laughs> uh, look, this is this is something else, and i got to, you know, just trying to Correct Trump. You try to correct Trump when you're wrong. Cut 20, please. Cut 20. I'm leading him by 60 points. Mr. President. And you say, why are they doing it? But here's what they did. They saw this happening. And he went to the attorney general of the United States and he told them, indict Trump. There's just no evidence of that, oh, Mr. Why? President. Because you mean he's but let's, let's stay Look on at track. all the lies want, he's Mr. told. Mr. President, I want to talk Kristen, about wait you. wait a minute. Wait, wait. Could I say one thing? Look at all the lies he's told over the last couple of weeks. He said he was at the World Trade Center and he wasn't. He said he flew airplanes, right? He didn't. He said he drove trucks. And he didn't. Everything he says is like a lie. It's terrible. Mr. President, I'm even gonna, his handicap. I want to say he's a six. He's not a six. I want to stay focused on you okay. for the purposes of this interview. OK. Can you imagine in a million years if Joe Biden were going off on Trump, that they'd cut him off and say, we want to talk about you, Joe, not 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 Donald Trump. No. But this is this is in part, I guess, how she got the job. Not afraid to. uh Get back on message, right? To get back to trying to trip up Trump instead of saying anything about Biden. Here is, is she hosted the 2020 debate, one of them. It was almost as bad. It was even worse than the Wallace debate. This is in the fall of 2020. Kristen Welker on the debate stage with Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Uh, cut 21. Let me ask some folks, please respond. If and then we're going to have stuff is true questions. about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq. If this is true, 
then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody. Hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue Excuse of race. Me. We're Take talking about the, the issue. from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. How about that, huh? Turning it off so quickly, right? Let's get off that. Let's get back to race. Let's get back to race. Let's. <laughs> that's what she does. So anyway. This interview was a disaster of Donald Trump. He was great, but she made, um, I mean, the liberals are angry at her because uh, they thought, why do you have him there anyway? He's a fascist, right? Not to mention NBC News. They host the uh, the president of Iran. Uh, they uh, they go over and oh, who are the other dictators they've had on? Uh, most recently, I remember the president of Iran, uh, who's an oppressive autocrat. And let's see here. So the... The liberals can't stand it because you brought a fascist on like Donald Trump. Conservatives like me can't stand it because she was so overtly unfair. And then she pats herself on the back like this was some sort of major success. Uh, Listen to this. Talk about pompous. Cut 31. Before we go, I want to take a moment to thank you, our viewers. It is an incredible honor to be sitting in this chair, and I feel the huge responsibility it carries. Ooh, wow. I mean, really, like you're an astronaut or something like that, like you're in the, uh, the the space capsule. You're driving an aircraft carrier. You're hosting a public affairs show. It really is embarrassing. It goes on like this. Cut 32. I also want to recognize all of the women, all of the people of color who've been pathfinders to make this moment possible. Um, this moment possible. What's so special about this moment? She, she's about to, she contradicts herself in the biggest way. Um, you know, glass ceiling, women of color, all this crap. Uh, cut 33. When my colleague Andrea Mitchell applied for her first job at a news radio station in Philadelphia in 1967, she was told the newsroom was no place for a woman. Well, she talked them into hiring her for the overnight shift. I'm here because she and other fearless women never stopped fighting for their places in the newsroom. I mean, it's just so sickening, right? And then they have, it turns out that the first host of that show was a woman in 1947, cut 34. I also stand on the shoulders of the first moderator and co-founder of this broadcast, Martha Roundtree, who had the courage to launch this program back in 1947. Yeah, and Martha didn't make a big deal out of uh, her gender, right? She never even talked about it. I looked up. I looked up some archival footage. It was always about the news. It was always about, and by the way, meet the press. That means meet more than one. Meet more than, you don't have a moderator. You have a press conference. That was the whole thing. Meet the press. It was a press conference. Even the title, even the title, meet the press, is actually fake news. Did you see, and it's happening more and more. Older New Yorkers, they're being targeted. This 80-year-old man in the Bronx who was shot by that phantom weirdo on the bike, that criminal, that murderer on the bike, came, shot him twice, goes by once. Now, he had to, this had to have been targeted. It couldn't have been random, right? But I'm seeing these pieces all the time in the New York Post, and they're always very, very small. They don't make such a big deal out of them for some reason. They're... They're very small. They're not like big headlines. This man shot in the head twice while his wife is standing there in some really creepy. I mean, it's like Jason from Halloween. 
just drives off on his bike. I see a lot of people getting pushed onto train tracks and being killed, and it's not a big deal. Now, the the one that is getting a bit more attention, understandably so, the one-year-old baby boy, the beautiful baby boy up there in the Bronx at the daycare. I never had a situation like this. Do we remember a situation like this where, you know, you used to be okay as long as you don't do drugs. Now, if you're in, like, the same room as fentanyl, you could be at risk. You could really be at risk, and... It looks like, according to reports, this place was no daycare center, all right? It was a front for a drug operation. People are quoted in the papers saying they never saw any kids there. They never saw any babies there. And it only changed a, a couple of months ago. And these gorgeous, little, this little tyke, this little one-year-old guy with the bow tie. Have you seen the picture? I tell you, it really, it, 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 it saddens me when you see, you know, the age one, just one, the numeral one. And that he's dead at the age of one, the numeral one. It's not supposed to be like that, right? It's just uh oof, tough, tough stuff. You know, we have, I, I understand this thing, this place was just inspected by the city. Just inspected by the city. You know, we inspect a lot of things, don't we, right? We inspect daycare centers to make sure, and they weren't able to pick up on this. They weren't able to pick up that something was a little bit off at this place. They say that the, uh, the woman who was on the scene, you know, the kid is suffering. A couple of kids are suffering and uh, going into seizures. And she calls her drug dealer husband and then some other guy and then some other guy and then calls 911 and then calls 911. Hey, here's something that 911 should do. You can't release your footage to the public anymore. Don't release it to TMZ. You're going to make people less likely to call 911. And I'm actually speaking about celebrities. Should we call? Should, we got to call 911. They're having a seizure. No, shut up. It's going to be on TMZ. Oh, you're right. Oh, so what should we do? Let's drive them to the hospital. They will. It's a real violation of privacy that those tapes are put out. And that shouldn't happen. And the 911 operators out there, you guys do a great job. You're always cool under fire. I know once in a blue moon, there's a story about one of them making a mistake or whatever. But uh, I've had, I've had, Several very pleasant experiences with the 911 operators. I'm always um, kind of, I don't know, just moved by their professionalism. And and it's great. It's one. It's the one government agency. It's the one thing at the government. You call 911 and they answer right away. Not like 311, which is totally overrated, as we all know. Hey, can I do this thing with Donald Trump? We got it ready? Okay, so... The U.N. stuff is going on right now. I'm not paying any attention to it other than the traffic. Joe's speech is really not worth uh, repeating. Even the world leaders blew it off. Um, but if you want to learn something about the United Nations, go to Donald Trump years ago, all the way back in 2005. How about this? Um, in 2005, what was going on? Well, he was a private citizen, and he was a developer. And um, they came to him. Somebody wrote him a letter about... Trump World Tower, which is right across the street from the U.N., and he built this big building for $330 million, and they it, it was going to cost like over a billion to renovate the United Nations, to renovate it. I, I mentioned this yesterday, but we didn't play the tape, and I got it right here. Here's a chunk of it. This is Donald Trump in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee talking about remodeling the U.N. and what it should really cost. Take it. Which is, as you can see, very, very substantially taller than the United Nations, bigger than the United Nations. And he read an article in the New York Times saying that 
The building cost approximately $300 million to build. So he wrote me a letter and ultimately called me and said, is it possible that that building cost $300 million because it just seems so much bigger and so much better and so much more expensive and so much more luxurious? And how could you have done that for $300 million when at that time, Senator, they were talking about $1.5 billion to renovate the United Nations? And this was around December of 2000. And I said, well, there's only two reasons, either gross incompetence or something far worse than that. And you know what the something is, and that's corruption. Because there's absolutely no way that that building could have cost $1.5 billion to build. And I did a chart, and I looked at other buildings, and I heard the numbers today, and I'm very impressed with Mr. Burnham, but Mr. Burnham is not his business. Mr. Burnham is in a different business. And the man he hired, who has done some work, I guess, has just been on the payroll for two days. So perhaps he'll be a great genius and he'll bring down the cost to what it should be, which I think is about $700 million tops, and that's complete. But I did a little chart, and I looked at buildings that were comparable that I built, and I looked at fees also, architectural fees. The architectural fee for this building, and you have to understand a residential luxury building, is far more complex than an open floor office building to build. It's much more. You have many more bathrooms. You have many more kitchens. You have many more rooms. It's more complex. Office building is essentially open space with subdividers. So I looked at it. Hold and on a second. I added up. Isn't it cool, this level of expertise? Doesn't it make total sense? Doesn't it? It's it's great in, to, to be reminded of this guy knows his stuff. It's world-class skill. It gets better when we come back. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. ...of my costs, and for Trump World Tower across the street, built not long ago, I spent approximately $258 a foot. It's the tallest building, tallest residential building in the world. $258.32 a foot. Um, I have 871,000 feet. It costs $225 million to build. Now... Anybody that says that a building of renovation is more expensive than building a new building doesn't know the business because you have a frame built. You have your foundations built. You have, in many cases, elevators that can be reutilized in their entirety but fixed. You have many, many components that can be used. And only a fool, it only costs a fool more money. I did the Grand Hyatt Hotel from the old Commodore Hotel. I did Trump International Hotel and Tower from the old Gulf and Western Building at One Central Park West, if you remember. I did the Trump Park, Park Avenue building from the Delmonico Hotel. I love doing renovation. It's really great. This guy is fantastic, right? I, that level of skill. You don't, he, I don't portray him that way. You got to, uh, look, I could play that. It's, it goes on for about an hour. It's awesome. Um, check it out. I should put a, I'll put a link to it at Greg Kelly USA on Twitter and elsewhere. Vito in Beth Page. Hello. Hey, Greg. How are you? Fine. Uh, my take on Fox and Friends, I think they're looking to put uh, Ducey Senior out the pasture. And uh, they're going to just slowly plug in the uh, gentleman there who is a very, very fine young man. And um, um, Sean Hannity gave him, uh, you know, a push. Well, look, so, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, they've all been there a long time. Steve's been there since the 1990s. So it was Kill Me. That's an amazing run. Um 
He's a fine young man, this Lawrence guy, but uh, he's not a he's not a host. He's not ready for that job. That is actually a far more complex job than you might think, and uh, there's it's very dynamic. And he's not ready for that. He will be someday. I wasn't ready for it when I was thirty years old. I actually hosted that show for about a year, ten months, the Fox and Friends weekend show back when I was semi liberal. By the way, <laughs> uh, Vito, he does not work. All right. They're breaking a good thing. And I think, yes, yeah, Steve does seem to be over it a little bit, kind of annoyed with uh, with uh, the arrangement, you know, even before this guy showed up. So, all right, Vito, thank you. And let's try uh, Bob up in Trumbull. Hey, future Senator Kelly. Yeah? Uh, yeah, that's you. Hey, these people are saying President Trump is anti-Semitic. That. That's insane. The people, the the Jews that are saying that, they, they don't get it. You sound like a retired rock star a little bit. You know what I mean? And you sound, you know, you like Keith Richards or Mick. You, you, it's it's cool, man. I wish, you know, man, Trump's not anti-Semitic. They're crazy. Back in the early 70s, when I went to college, yeah. I took a course called Literature of the Holocaust. And I read that book three or four times. And I would talk to the professor. And she had, you know, uh, the tattoo numbers on her arm and whatever. And I was like, why are these people so nasty? And what she was well. What do you mean? Was, what what people? The Nazis? No, the the kids I was going to school with. Oh. I'll bet it was eighty percent Jewish people. Oh, brother. Yeah. Well, down in University of Miami, it's <laughs> about that. All right. So you yeah. meant when you said these people, you meant your Jewish, uh, uh, you know, co-students, your Jewish colleagues yeah. there. And I would ask her. <laughs> Why are these people so nasty? You know, you got to stop saying these people, all right? Just do me a favor. All right, I got to go in a moment. And what did she say? But they're not Jewish. Because I, I was like, how can the stories in this book, how can these people be so All Jewish? right, Bob, listen, what's the name of the book? Do you remember? No. All right, Bob, thank you very much. University of Miami, noted. Uh, I think I'm okay, right? I think I'm right, right? Okay. Um. Let's do one more. David, hello. Hello. Hey, hey Greg. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I, regarding the Biden impeachment uh, hearings, you know, I think it's important, obviously, to point out the illegal and compromising activities with the shell games and so forth. And I'm, I'm sure we could probably win that political battle. But I think we'll lose the political war if we don't implicate, more importantly, how his policies, or I would say Democratic Party policies, I don't even see as Biden. Biden's just a puppet are impacted with the border, with the fentanyl overdosing, child sex trafficking, uh, the violent illness that are coming across the border, and God knows what terrorists we don't even know or terror cells that are in our country. If those aren't part of the impeachment process, I'm afraid we're going to losing the political war. That's your thoughts. I'd be No, I think, uh, look, uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's in the Constitution that he's supposed to secure the border uh, from invasion. It's actually in there. It's one of his responsibilities. And he's not doing it. It's got to be impeachable. It's got to be, right? I mean, doing what he's done and all this weird stuff, not shooting down the balloon until it was done with its mission. Greg Kelly.
on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, for a guy who doesn't want to be president, um, Gavin Newsom is all over the fake news and uh, all over New York City right now. He came for the United Nations uh, General Assembly. Now, he is uh, he's the governor of California, right? What would he be doing here? Well, just ask him, right? Oh, California, we are the... Uh, if California were a country, we'd be the 11th uh, biggest country in the world or something like that. But no, he's, um, he's, he wants it. He wants it bad. If, if he had real integrity, which he doesn't, he'd run right now. He would run. He said, I got to do this for that. Well, maybe that's too harsh. Maybe that's too harsh, but I'm sorry. It looks to me like all these people are more loyal to the party than the country. Now, I don't like Gavin Newsom. He's a career politician. He's very, very shallow. It's uh, it's amazing to watch this guy talk about how the petroleum industry should do its uh, business when he's never really worked a day in his life. He's never had a real job. He got into politics in his 20s by hanging around Willie Brown. You know who Willie Brown is? Big power master in California. He was the speaker of the House of, of the California House. He was the mayor of San Francisco. He was and is a very big deal in California. But he's like a boss. He's like an old-time political boss. And when you're 25 years old, are you are you um, and you're are you working to get some old politician elected to some job? I don't know. 25. If you really want the best for America, you're doing that if you want the best for yourself. If you want to be something in politics, right? Not if you want to get anything done, but if you want to be something, that's what I, I'm sorry, but that, that, that tells me a lot that he was volunteering for Willie Brown, trying to get Willie Brown elected San Francisco mayor when he's 25. Well, he worked on it and, um, Willie Brown wins and Willie Brown gave Gavin Newsom his first really big job. And well, it's not big, but made him like a appointed him to that board of supervisors that they have out there, something like that. The governing body of San Francisco, it's like a commission, and they gave him a seat on it. And then it was off to the races. Then he runs for mayor of San Francisco, and and then he gets by on that hair and that uh, big toothy smile, and, uh, oh, I know, he's so slim and that stuff. Uh, I'm not impressed. And I hear him now quoting Plutarch. He quoted Plutarch. He's quoting Plutarch. Who put that on a card for him? And he won't even say what we all know about Kamala Harris. All right, here he is over at the U.N. speaking to the fake news. Gavin Newsom, is this guy presidential timber? Not. Go ahead. You have probably heard more and more Republicans, including Donald Trump, who just over the weekend accused Democrats of supporting abortion rights up to and after birth. (laughs) Can you be clear about... What does that mean? Uh, after birth, well, abortion after birth. It's made up. It's a political. Well, can you just be clear about what limits? On Stop! Abortion? I'm sorry. It's not made up. Talk to your fellow Democrat governor, Northam of Virginia. It's a real thing. He said it out loud. He said the quiet part out loud. We'll keep the baby comfortable until the mother and the doctor make a decision. And if that decision is to kill the baby after birth, that's what they'll do. It's not made up, Gavin. So what restrictions would Gavin have on abortion? Is it all the way up? Right up until birth? Or after? Keep going. 
should be. It's a political thing. People are not seeking abortion. But what is the what is the policy? The what should it be? The policy. It's not up to Donald Trump or me. It's up to you, to women that have to bear that responsibility uniquely and distinctively. Stop. And the reality. You see what he's doing, right? He's being cute, right? He will. Not- First, he says it's fake, and then he says no restrictions whatsoever. That means right up until birth and even after. It's not fake. It's real. And trying to make this sound uh, holistic and righteous, right? It's up to uh, it's up to women. Well, it's actually, it is up to government to protect lives. And, yeah, a lot of people think it's a life, certainly by the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth month. I happen to think it is from the first split second. But not everybody agrees. But I mean, even the most hardcore, some of them Democrats do do believe that. Keep going. Yes, it's a canard. It's a political frame. It's total BS, and it's exactly where they need to go because they know they've gone too far. But there has to on be some side. kind. Well, let me just talk about your state of California. Yeah. As you well know, there is a law in books that preceded you uh, that says that you can have an abortion up until viability, which is about twenty-four weeks. That's right. Is that something that you that's, support that's personally? That's in statute in the state of California. That said, there was a constitutional amendment that we placed on the ballot that, that has some nuance in it. And so that's an area that's being adjudicated in public opinion and likely will ultimately be so adjudicated is in the it courts. the government's role then? I know you, you said it's, it's up to women. To make that decision. So there should be nothing no, that, on the books? This is, this is a canard. This is a canard. A Stop saying flag. that. Keep- this is where they need to go in order to get out of the mess they've created because they don't believe in fundamental choice and freedom yeah, for women. Uh, well, they how don't. about freedom? No, I mean, gosh, fundamental choice. you got to watch Donald Trump and how he's been actually becoming very nuanced on this uh, on this topic. He turned over Roe v. Wade, all right? Roe v. Wade's gone, and even some liberals agree that that was bad law. It was bad. Need to go to the states. Um, I want government to uh, keep viable children alive. He's saying, yeah, that's a thing that I had to, I have to live with. And now it's under repeal and he's not going to advocate that for any other state. And there are states in America that actually say, well, let me, let me play this. And they mentioned the Donald Trump thing. Uh, let's see here about the abortion thing. Um, well, cut, cut, uh, 25, please cut 25. How do you define, because up, up, Till now, my understanding is there wasn't a limit on when in a pregnancy a woman could receive an abortion. Have you set any limit? There are no limits. Look, abortion is a very personal decision that belongs between a woman and her doctor. The government and politicians don't belong. What is it that you believe? I mean, what week of pregnancy should abortion access be cut off? We need to restore the protections of Roe versus Wade. Which We're was, not trying to do something new. Do you think there should be any limitation on abortions? Uh, no, I do not. None day of birth, totally fine? And, uh, no, I do not think. I think women should have a right to choose. All right, so you, Democrats will not say anything in the way of restrictions, ninth month, eighth month, seventh month. So Trump is uh, pressed on this by Kristen Welker. And listen to, uh, listen to this conversation. You just heard Democrats say no no restrictions, right? And Gavin Newsom, in his own little uh, cutesy way, no restrictions. Cut 24. One important fact check we do want to highlight. Oh, stop Abor- that. Wait a second. Let's do the one, not the fact check. Uh, yeah, no, make sure it's cut 24. 
Nobody wants to see five, six, seven, eight, nine months. Nobody wants to see cushions when you have a baby in the womb. I said with Hillary Clinton when we had the debate, I made a statement, rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month. You're allowed to do that, and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Again, no one and, and is again, arguing listen, for that. That's look, not a part of anyone's platform, look, Mr. President. The Democrats are able to kill the baby after birth. Let me talk to you. Nobody wants that. That Democrats don't want that. So All right. Democrats don't want that. She says Democrats don't want that. Uh, actually, they do. <laughs> Plenty of them do. So at the end, she realizes she's wrong. But it's all about fact-checking Trump, right? So listen to what she says after the Trump interview. She puts this out as a fact-check. Cut 26. Abortions later in pregnancy are exceedingly rare. One important fact-check we exceedingly do want to 4,000, 4,000, 4,000 about are late-term abortions. That's more people. Actually, I'm sorry, it's 6,000. That's more than twice as many people who were killed on 9-11. Little babies who are totally viable outside the womb being... Yes, I do believe killed. And I think we, uh, wow. Hey, James Flippin, I know you probably don't want to touch the abortion issue, but welcome. Hey, Greg. Well, actually, I mean, just from a news perspective, I just, maybe I'm old fashioned, but that exchange you just played from Meet the Press, um, shouldn't Welker say that Democrats would argue they don't support live birth or Democrats maintain they don't? Like, why is she saying definitively that Democrats say that? Well, number one, she's wrong when she says, they don't support that because we just demonstrated that they do. Right. And she would she would actually be wrong and say, well, Democrats maintain they don't do that. Because if you actually say, give us a restriction, give us a restriction, what should be their restriction? They won't say anything. Sure. And I understand what you're saying. But at, at the very least, she shouldn't be taking up the position for them. She well, shouldn't be speaking as if she's a Democrat. She is. And she does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what she should do. Make it official. Go work for the DNC. Go run for Congress or something. Or, or and you could do this, and I'd be totally fine with it. Uh, go get a show where you say, hey, this is the Kristen Welker show, and uh, these are my views, and I hope you like them. All right? That's kind of what I do. Yeah, that's like a talk show. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty upfront. This is uh, the way I see the world. You may agree. You may disagree and uh, whatever, but uh, this is an opinion show, and uh, this is where I'm coming from. So anyway, uh, they're faker than ever. Uh, what is, what's happening with the UN? So let's see. There's, there's all kinds of road closures and extra cops around. It's because of the UN General Assembly. We know Biden spoke there today. His comments centered on, uh, the U.S. relationship with China. He also spoke about the war between Russia and Ukraine. And he also spoke about climate change. All right. Well, so it's <laughs> what he always going around muttering. I mean, there were some arrests made in Midtown Manhattan today at a climate change protest outside of Bank of America headquarters. Yeah. Any of those nut jobs get out of line? Uh, well, they were arrested, but I think most of the time they're talking about civil disobedience here. So this is more like, you know, you block an entrance or something like that. Cops say, look, they, they play it on the loudspeaker. They say, if you don't move, we're going to arrest you. If you don't go with the arresting officer, that's resisting arrest. And then they kind of eventually clear out. But they play their drums. They make a lot of noise. They hold their signs. And they don't really get arrested. They get issue a summons or right, something like that. a desk appearance ticket, yeah. Yeah, unlike if you're blocking an abortion clinic, uh, they will throw you in jail for 11 years. Right, and you charge get you, federal charges for that. They charge you with conspiracy. It is those those women, and we're looking into that right now. Uh, speaking of federal charges, by the way, you heard about that awful story, the Bronx daycare, where the one-year-old boy died from fentanyl exposure? Yeah. Now they're facing federal charges, the daycare owner and one of the tenants there at that apartment. The cops are still looking for the woman's husband who mm. owns the daycare. So what is this with fentanyl? I mean, you could just smell it and be a casualty? 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, look, what they say is police are saying that they found two pill presses at this apartment that was running a daycare. And I guess they use the presses to make these pills that they then sell. They make them, obviously, with fentanyl. And I imagine there's still some residue left over on those pill presses. So maybe the kid got into the closet or something like that. There might have been some powder on there. I don't exactly know the mechanism of it. But, yeah, they say just a tiny little granule is enough to potentially cause an overdose. Well, I am staying the hell away from all drugs. I will continue my uh, my clean and sober life. What about ayahuasca? Especially that stuff. <laughs> Has that thing died down yet? Are people still? Uh... uh, yeah, there's not as much about Aaron Rodgers right now, especially because, you know, the Giants have an injury concern of their own. Saquon Barkley might not be able to play on Thursday. He twisted his ankle, uh, but, um, they're well, not rolling him out yet. What position does he play? He's a running back. Okay. Get well soon, I hope. You a and, Giants fan? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't care. Who do you like more, the Jets or the Giants? I really don't care. You, not... you couldn't care less. Well, when I was growing up, I preferred the Jets because they played at the time at Shea Stadium. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the Giants, for the most part, played at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. Shea Stadium was closer to where I lived. Right. And I was kind of intrigued also that they were close to the airport. Jets, I was kind of into planes. Yeah, that's that's why they named them that, yeah. Oh, and I, uh, Joe Namath, actually, this is actually, I remember this now. Joe Namath lived in Garden City, my hometown, for like a season when, or at least the off season when he was uh, practicing at Hofstra. Yeah, right. They, they used to have their training camp there. Yeah. Did you and, meet him? Uh, much later in life. Much later. I mean, I remember going around. We were like looking for Joe Namath. You know, we had no clue. Right. You know I mean? But uh, I met him later. I met him like you know when on the Good Day Show, and uh, of course Mark Astino is a friend. He's a great guy. The Sack Exchange. Yeah. Listener of uh, to the WABC. All right, so is there anything else I should ask you? Uh, you know, some people still very upset about this prisoner swap. The five Americans and that Iran prisoner swap are back home now. I can't get that worked up about it, to be honest. What about I the money? I, I didn't the, six, know, the six billion? I didn't know they were missing in the first place, to be honest. You know what I mean? Mm. I didn't. I'm sorry, but I didn't. I didn't know they were over there. It wasn't like the Iranian hostages back in the 80s, you know? The whole country, 444 days, the countdown, right? Did you know about these guys? No. Did I mean, you, Diego? Nobody knew about these guys. This, it was Anthony Blinken who talked a little bit about Bob Levinson and his comments yesterday. I remember hearing about him, but he he had passed away already. He died in captivity. Hey, I'm glad these Americans are back. Don't get me wrong. Uh, very that, That's good. But, you know, I just, you know, the issue, whatever, and... I'm a little bit unclear about six billion. You know, what does it mean? It's their money, unfrozen. Is that? It's not like we wrote them a check for six billion, right? I don't know. I, I right. I, that's I, the way they kind of explain it. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, oh, we're out of time. Hey, how are things at home? Everything's good at home. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually getting out of town later this week. I'm going to a wedding down in North Carolina. My cousin's wedding. Straight or gay? <laughs> it's a straight wedding. Straight wedding. About time. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just kidding. All right. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It needs to be a full national assault on this drug entering our city. This is a new drug. This is not a new type of battle. And people need to understand this. This is not the marijuana on your tabletop. This is a dangerous drug that a small amount like this this can kill an adult uh thank you yeah he is always asking for help from somebody else right 
He said it's got to be a national campaign to stop it from entering this city. There's a lot we could do to stop it from entering this city. He brought the problem on him on himself and on all of us, oh, by the way, remember, by encouraging this migrant crisis. Um, but you know what? You look around. There are like 50,000 guys at the NYPD, 30-plus uh, thousand uniform, um, uh, 15,000 or so civilian. Uh, at one point, we had a thriving interdiction, narcotics, anti-terrorism, uh, close relationship with the CIA, the national intelligence community. I mean, and we were aggressive and we were not the border patrol, all those guys, great partners now. Well, they're all letting this stuff in, but he could do a lot with what he's got. Instead, all he can do is complain after the fact. Damn. It's, um, he's kind of impotent, actually. Impotent. Impotent is a good word for him. Um, all these tools and he doesn't have a clue about how to use them. He doesn't know anything about politics. He knows nothing about governing. Usually you have somebody who's pretty good at governing but crummy at politics or really good at politics and crummy at governing. It's very unusual to have somebody who's great at both. It's really unusual also to have somebody, not as unusual, but to have somebody who sucks at both, like Ellick. Um, and here we are. Here we are. This is what happens when you have that ranked choice voting and you have voting on the last day of school. The last day of school, June 2021, the last day, so nobody votes, so so the unions can control it all, right? And let's face it, identity politics, yeah, that was a big, big part of it. They picked on the, the Asian guy, the one competent person in that race, Andrew Yang, who could be making a real difference right now. But no, the media, they picked on him because he's Asian and they left Eric alone because he's black. Believe it or not, it's as simple as that. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, remember the name Ray Epps was all over the place on January 6th and the night before? Ray Epps, you've seen him, right? Who the hell is this guy? Mystery man, right? Uh, from Arizona, they say. Uh, and for whatever reason, and I have my suspicions, but I'm not going to say anything right now. Um, they haven't arrested him until, well, I guess right now. So how long has it been since January 6th? Two and a half years, right? Almost three years since January 6th. Uh, they rounded up everybody. Uh, they're still rounding up people. People they have not been able to identify. You know, they're working. They've got that computer-enhanced technology and looking at digital imagery and enhancing it and double-enhancing it and, you know, doing all these investigations. But Ray Epps, we've known his name from the very early stages. And why was he of interest? Well, <laughs> he's right there on camera telling people to go into the Capitol, right? The night before and the day of encouraging people to go into the Capitol. I would, it would be a person of interest. But the thing was, people were suspicious of him on January 6th. Like, you know, the MAGA people who were there, they didn't want to do any harm. And this guy is like egging him on to go into the Capitol before the Capitol, before anybody knew the doors were open or anything like that. This guy's like, we got to go into the Capitol. We're going into the Capitol. People were saying, this guy's a Fed. This guy must be a Fed. Well, he's just been charged with one count. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, here's a little bit of Ray Epps on January 5th, the night of, telling everybody what they should do on January 6th. 
Attorney, I'd like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, it. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in to the Capitol. We are going to the Capitol where our problems are. It's that direction. Please spread the word. Epps is met with disgust by Trump crowds time and again. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. And as far as we know, this guy, who clearly had some kind of management role that day, has not been arrested, has not been charged, or even publicly identified. What is that about? Here's some of the video. So there he is, scaffold commander, commanding the crowd to break the law, there was the largest manhunt in American history conducted after this day, January 6th. We're still talking about it, as noted, a year later. And yet this guy is not only unidentified, no being an authority seems interested in the slightest in finding out who he is. But why is that? Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people, no, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, gentlemen's time has expired. Wow. Uh, so, Ray Epps, if you've been following this, you know this name very, very well. For a long time now, people have been wondering, you know, why haven't they arrested Ray Epps? We got him right there on camera. Unlike just about anybody else saying, we got to go into the Capitol. We need to go into the Capitol. We're going into the Capitol. And then on January 6th, he's like whispering. He's telling people. He's going up to him and said, go, 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 go. So now, kind of out of the blue, he gets he gets charged. And here's the charging document. On or about January 6th, 2021, within the District of Columbia, Ray James Ray Epps Sr. did knowingly and with intent to impede and disrupt the orderly conduct of government business and official functions, engage in disorderly and disruptive conduct in and within such proximity to a restricted building and grounds, that is, any posted, cordoned off, and otherwise restricted area within the Capitol and its grounds, U.S. Capitol, where the Vice President was and would be temporarily visiting when, and so that such conduct did in fact impede and disrupt the orderly conduct of government business and official functions, and attempted and conspired to do so. I don't know what the hell is going on. Now, I do not trust the United States government anymore. I mean, for a long time, uh, I naively did. What a schnook I was, okay? I love our Constitution. I love it. I love the judicial branch, the executive branch, the legislative branch, how they all designed it. However, this deep state, this corrupt deep state that serves the deep state and not the people, I am very, very concerned I'm damn near afraid of it, really. Marcos, where are you, Marcos? Hello. Hey, Greg. Uh, I'm calling from uh, north of the Catskills. I'm driving a truck. Uh, I'm a tractor-trailer driver. This is your fellow uh, Bible buddy from from way back. I don't know if you remember me. Yeah, you were in Jersey back then, right? Yep, that's right. Well, I am from Jersey, but my profession is uh, tractor-trailer driver, so I'm all over the place. You got a CB radio? <laughs> No, not yet. <laughs> they, they don't. Do, yet. They don't use those anymore, right? Ten four, good buddy, and all that stuff. No, they still do. 
They they still do. Um, well, it's good uh, to hear from you. The, uh, good to hear from you. What's up? <laughs> well, I just wanted to say, man, that uh, you, you you got a lot of criticism for uh, your comments on um, you know Aaron Rodgers and all that, and uh, I just want to say that I I don't like that you were getting uh, beat up, ganged up. Hey, upon. first of all, don't worry. It comes with the territory, and when you think about it, Marcos. I wasn't being criticized. They were just literally calling me names. You know, douche, jerk, dip, S-H-I. You know, that's, it was just name calling. It wasn't, they couldn't criticize what I was saying. They could, I, I didn't see any robust defense of Ayakasawushka T. I heard nobody actually, actually challenge me on that Aaron Rodgers needs to get close to God. On the substance, they really weren't critical at all. It was just a bunch of name calling. Did you notice that? Anyway, yeah. don't worry about it. I can take it. I can take it. I love it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one bit. I spoke the truth, and you know it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just want to say that, uh, well, if more Americans read their Bibles, we wouldn't have the likes of Joe Biden in the White House. I tend to agree. I do agree. Hey, by the way, uh, where the hell have you been? I haven't. Uh, you haven't called. I thought about you once or twice. You haven't called in about a year, at least. Uh, well, a lot's been happening. I had a rotator cuff surgery uh, six months ago, so I was, uh, you know, in recovery. I had to go to physical therapy and uh, taking care of family. My dad came visiting uh, from Brazil. And, uh, you know, just a lot's been happening. But I've been following you, though. I've been listening to the radio. Uh, and, and I, I want to say congratulations on moving to the 9 o'clock slot on your um, you know, in, on your uh, Greg reports. So yeah. that's congratulations. Thank you, that. Marcos. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything. It's good to hear from you. Hey, do me a favor. You in the tractor trailer right now? Uh huh. Blow the horn. All right. <laughs> that's a, that's an extra horn. Do you pull it from the top or do you pull? Is it on the steering wheel? All right, pull it from the top. Yeah. That's the way yeah, it should be. You ever see? You ever see Trump when the truckers showed up at uh, at the White House? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, there, there's never, ever, ever going to be anybody like him again. He loves the truckers, and the truckers love him. Marcos, I appreciate it very, very much. And I got to check in with another longtime friend, Sandra. Hello. Oh, hello, Greg. Um, I wanted to comment about uh, the media. And how I think they get so excessive, for instance, with Lauren Bobart. You know, at first when I learned what happened in the uh, musical, Beatle musical, I was very disappointed because I was looking up to her to be, you know, special in the Congress. So, but then every day there was more and more stuff about her. And that's when I saw this is really COO with the media. And then even with Kristen Noem. I'm disappointed too that uh, this came out when it did right after she. Wait a second. Why were you Why were you upset with Lauren Boebert? What did she do wrong? I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. If I went to a show and I saw someone vaping and screaming and really being out of line, I would be upset. Eh, She wasn't screaming. She wasn't screaming. Nobody said she was screaming. I mean, first of all, vaping is no big deal. It's not tobacco. That's the whole point, right? The whole point is it doesn't stink like tobacco. It's water vapor. And, yeah, I know she was getting cozy with the guy next to her. Well, I mean, you got to, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, a movie theater, isn't that kind of understood? Right? Look. We, right? Well, look, look, I mean, right? Isn't that kind of understood? There's going to be uh 
you know, you know, right? Greg, listen to me. I, I forgave her after that after that one incident. I got over it. You're but every day the media is continually doing more about her. And that's when I saw that the media, they're like vultures. They want to get you. And, and, and you know, you touch the fire, you get burned. Yeah. And, and even with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, the media, I mean, look, you can, you ever think about turning them off? Because they will make you crazy, and they will depress you, and they want to depress you, and they want to demoralize you. So uh, you got to be careful about consuming too much of that stuff. You know what I mean? And Lauren Boebert, I will point out, Lauren Boebert is, uh, what do you call it, uh, separated from her husband and uh, all that stuff. So she's free to date. You know, I mean, she's free to live her life. And she's a spark plug. She's spunky. I like her. And, uh, you know, am I going to all for all the things that are going on, you know, drag queens hanging around with kids, right? The grooming, the puberty blockers, all that stuff. I'm going to get upset that two adult, uh, two adults were, uh, had their arms around each other in a movie theater. It just doesn't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, wow. Yeah. So the media totally overdid it. Well, Sandra, we thank you very, very much to be continued. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I don't trust our elections. I really don't. I think all kinds of funny business is going on. You no voter ID. It's so weird, so weird. And what Democrats are pulling here, there, and everywhere, we've got to be so on guard. And you know who Josh Shapiro is? Josh Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania. I've seen this guy. I don't, I don't think he's all that. They're talking about this guy is the like Democrat of the next generation. Seems like a pretty ordinary guy to me, but whatever. He's now the governor of Pennsylvania. And this kind of talk about registering to vote gets me a little bit nervous. I think it could be easily, um, well, manipulated. I don't like this at all. Democracy voting. That's apart from going to the DMV and getting your learner's permit, okay? It's a separate function. Listen to this guy. Oh, uh, cut 35, please. 35. Pennsylvania, it is National Voter Registration Day. And today, I am proud to announce that for the first time ever, Pennsylvania is an automatic voter registration state. That's right. From now on, when you get or renew your driver's license or an ID card at the DMV, you'll be registered to vote unless you choose not to. I made a commitment when I was campaigning for this office that we would bring automatic voter registration to Pennsylvania and break down the barriers for legal eligible voters. This is a key step to make our elections more secure, adding important levels of verification to the voter registration process. And by expanding Voter registration. Everybody gets registered. Something's up. Something is up. Mr. Mayor Rudy Giuliani, a little bit early for your show. Welcome, sir. <laughs> Thank you for letting me on. What's going on? Uh, this does oh, not sound oh, come good. Come on, real simple. This guy was a big player in the impossible comeback from being down by 800,000 votes with 68% of the vote cast, which every mathematician that wasn't paid off would say was impossible. Uh, remember, he was down when they in twenty twenty. In twenty twenty, Biden was down by eight hundred thousand votes in with sixty five percent. He was down by seven fifty with eighty percent of the vote. Impossible to do. They counted until Biden won. They wouldn't let Republicans see a single ballot. Right, the guy behind all of this is this guy. This is why they elected him governor. 
So they got the fix in for the future. What he's talking about, I don't know the details of it, but I mean, one of the ways they cheated in some states is the illegals have driver's licenses. They take the driver's licenses, use them for registrations. Nobody asks to see their papers, and they make them voters. And now in New York, we voted to allow uh, non-citizens to vote. We've actually gone that far. That was thrown out, though, right? Uh, no, it hasn't been thrown in out. New York it's State? Just an injunction. Just an injunction. It hasn't okay. been heard yet yeah, by the court. Yeah. And it should be, though. It should be, Greg, you're right, because there's a provision in the New York Constitution that requires you to be a citizen of the United States to vote. So the danger here is if everybody's registered to vote, you have a essentially an unlimited pool of potential votes that you can come up with if you're behind on yeah, election night. Yeah, yeah, And the bigger you make the number, the easier it is to cheat. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened with the mail-in votes. Mail-in votes were never, never considered accurate. They were always considered to be the easiest way to cheat. Carter and Baker said that. Now they don't because, you know, they're part of the woke. Uh, but when you start tripling them, so how about 400,000 uh, mail-in ballots in uh, 16, uh, 2 million in 20, and a Republican never got to see a single piece of paper? You know, Mr. Mayor, it's um – I know this is the case. You know this is the case. Dinesh D'Souza, a few others. Lots of people do, but they're afraid to say it publicly. They are because they get get called unpatriotic, liars. They get their bar license taken away. You know, Mitt Romney said something uh, last week. He said it was undermining faith in elections. It was like Trump undermined faith in elections. But it's like as if the end goal is the faith in elections. I think the end goal is... Strong elections. You know about and Romney? I, I, I ran against Romney, and uh, I happen to have great in affection. 2008. Yeah, I have great affection for one of the guys I ran against. I consider him one of the men I admire most. Oh. Huckabee. Oh, yeah. And Huckabee ran a very competitive race against me. We were very different candidates. Romney and I were probably more similar. I have no respect for Romney. I think Romney finds it easy to tell whatever. He's a, he's a dishonorable salesman. He says what he thinks need to be said. He was pro-life, then he became pro-choice, then he became pro-life again. Spent his life being pro-gun control, then became a lifetime member of the NRA. <laughs> lifetime member. And told people he liked to hunt because he liked to kill critters. <laughs> <laughs> He's in vermin. Vermin, I think he said. I think uh, critters and vermin. He also seems to be, in a strange way, very naive. There's a naivete about him, like a maybe I'm wrong, maybe he's sinister. It's a salesman uh, con. Huh. Remember the guy was a great salesman who cheated people like crazy, uh, was taking advantage of uh, businesses that had to be crushed, and then he could bring them back. And look, there's a legitimate function to that. There's also certain people that can do that, and they uh, maybe you couldn't do that, maybe I couldn't do that. Do me a favor, stand by, Joanne. You're on with me and the mayor. Oh my God! Yes, I'm on. Hi. How are you? And, uh, and Mr. Mayor, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. This is a double header for me here. Um, Greg, I try to get through so often to you and to also make you forget it. I gave up on both of you. Start talking. I What's up? All the time. I, pardon me? Go ahead. You What's, your, What's your point? Okay. Uh, I want to say that, um, let's see here. Um, you were talking about the swagger man with no plan before, letting everybody in the border. And as far as that, there was someone on your show, your 77 WABC uh, station, that said that in no uncertain terms, last Saturday, that um, they're not illegals, first of all. 
and that's wrong information, and uh, that they do. All right, Joanne, though, you're citing someone said last Saturday. I mean, all right, I'm sure people say a lot of things. I mean, all right, so he said something wrong, this person, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, I know. We can't, I, I know. Well, not my show. I'm not on on Saturday. I don't know. Somebody said something. All right. Is that proper information to give out, though? Uh, uh, Joanne, you, you're not. You're not giving me enough information. You don't even know who said it. I do. I do know it was Anthony Weiner, and he definitely said they're not illegals. They Why didn't you say someone? Illegals. Well, I mean, did you call up Anthony well, Weiner? He's a, he's allowed to say whatever the hell he wants on his show. Call him up. Call him up and say you're wrong. I don't uh, know what he said. I tried, I tried to get through, but I couldn't. All get right, through. all right. Well, okay. listen, I am not taking complaints about the Anthony Weiner <laughs> show. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Joanne, very much. I got to do, uh, Rich, very quick. Hi. Hey, thanks, Greg. Um, so with all this money that the federal government is going, that everybody wants for the federal government pour into the illegal aliens into New York City, nobody wants, and they're talking about reducing the services. Nobody had once uh, talked about allocating some of that money towards that services. That's a great idea, Rich. Thank you. Uh, Right. Did you get what? All right. Thank you, Rich. I'm so sorry, but I got to get to Barbara before she goes. Hello, Barbara. We got to go. We only have a few seconds. Sorry. Okay. Well, the attorney and the uh, the attorneys for the prosecution and the judges in the Washington D.C. Uh, case for the pro-lifers are acting as if they do are not fit to be attorneys and are not fit to represent anything to do with the law. Maybe they should have studied the Constitution, and this is Constitution Week. They should re- they should review it. The major schools, the major law schools in our country now are dissing the Constitution. They think it is unnecessary. They think it is a tool of oppression. But meanwhile, Frederick Douglass said about the Constitution, shall we condemn this righteous law because wicked men twist it to the support of wickedness? Oh, wow. That Frederick Douglass. Seriously, that guy. There's a new. I got to read about him. I need amazing. Uh, Really wise. Very wise. So wise. Good friend of Abe Lincoln. Uh, Barbara, thank you. Mr. Mayor. Godspeed. You're pretty darn wise, too. (laughs) Working at it. (laughs) Working at it. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. You're in good hands. That's a good thing to work at.